Welcome everybody to church. Welcome to the church. Um, it's good to see all of you. What a powerful time um, of worship. Um, I don't know about you, but I really met the Lord and I was reminded of his grace and the power of putting all my trust in him. And it was just a, a great time to be reminded of God's uh, message of grace. Uh, welcome. If you're here for the very first time, I just want to welcome you. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a great privilege uh, to worship with all of you. I just want to um, reiterate one of the announcements that uh, Pastor Yosef and Bob gave during the beginning of uh, the service, and that announcement is that there's going to be a special seminar next Sunday after church at 1.30. Uh, we specifically made it 1.30 so that the girls' flag football team could have their practice and so you guys could do what you need to do. But at 1.30, we're having a special seminar uh, called Spiritual Lessons from the Orchard. And um, it's a, a special seminar that uh, I met with this brother named Patrick at this organization, and he was sharing with me all the spiritual lessons that he learned being an apple farmer. And after I spoke with him, I said, you have to, you have to share this with our church. And he's going to share with us how to live a life of fruitfulness um, and all the lessons that he's learned uh, from being an apple farmer. And I just really encourage you to be a part of that seminar. It's going to be on Zoom. And so um, I invite you into that. And uh, sorry, it's like kind of, okay. Um, yeah, I just want to invite you into that and to join us as we learn about how to be fruitful. Um, it actually ties in also with our new series that we kick off today called Church Reclaimed. Um, I was actually supposed to preach a different sermon series starting today about the vision of our church, but the Lord put on my heart this truth that I think a lot of our church members are not doing very well spiritually. I think that we feel far from God because we felt far from the church, and I think the Lord put on my heart that we need to see again a vision of the church and who we are, uh, the church reclaimed, especially if you're joining us online and you felt like you just really feel distant from the church and the Lord because you've been at home. You know, this is not really the way we're supposed to be doing church um, at a distance, right? Because if you, even if you read Hebrews, it says, don't give up meeting together. Don't give up meeting together. So there's something that is off about this, and because of that, we felt far uh, from the Lord. And so today, I want to start a new series called The Church Reclaimed to get a vision again of who we are and to address the spiritual barriers and the downfalls that we feel as a church because we've been separated. We've been separated from each other and our spiritual lives have been impacted by that. And I think that for some of us, it's alarming and we don't really feel it, that there's something wrong. And so for three weeks, we're going to be looking at this church reclaimed. Who are we? And how do we remember who we're supposed to be when we've been separated for so long? It's a call from God to say, remember who you are. And to kick us off today, I'm going to read from Acts 1, um, chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Acts 1, chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verses one, uh, 6 to 11. Acts 1, <clears throat> chapter 1, uh, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Today we have a powerful word from Acts 1. As we reclaim the church and we remember who the church we are, uh, three weeks we're going to be looking at these three different topics. Today we're going to be looking at the mission of Jesus' church. Next week we're going to be looking um, at the fellowship of his church, and the third week we're going to be looking at the worship of of our church. When we look at this all together, we reclaim who we are. And so today we're going to look at the mission of his church. Why are we here? Why did he make us into a church? What are we supposed to be doing? This is what we want to reclaim and to pick up again as COVID-19 has, in some ways, stolen from us the vision of who we're supposed to be. Three things I want to show you from this passage today, and then we have a very special baptism of our brother Eric in the middle of the sermon, but we're going to see Jesus' vision for the church. What is the church? Secondly, what's the mission he's told us to accomplish? And lastly, he promises that he will be with us. What's his presence for the church? His vision for the church, mission for the church, and his presence for the church. When we look at all these things together, I hope that you see again who we are, Mosaic, who we are as a church. Let's pray. Father, we have been separated. We have been beaten down as a church, not just our church, all the churches. Beaten down, challenged. And Father, we pray that you would help us to reclaim who we are once more. And so we come to you desperately saying, help us to remember who we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, We should start out by looking at the word church in the first place, and you might be surprised to know that the word that you've used so much in your life, church, um, has a history and an etymology that maybe you're unaware of. The word church, it actually comes from the Greek word ekklesia, ekklesia, and it's a combination of two different words. The main word is kaleo, means to call, means to call out. Right? To call out, not in the modern sense of I call you out, but call out in terms of summon. The word kaleo means to call, and ekklesia means to call out. So the word church comes from the definition of people who are called out together, or the people who are summoned together. And when Jesus came to this earth, he used that because it was actually something that the people in that day already understood. You see, we don't know the word ekklesia, but they did. Because in that time, during the time of Roman rule, there were people who were called the ecclesia, even before Jesus' church was established. You see, the Roman government, they were unlike any other government. They ruled in a way that no government after them had the ability to do. They were able to incorporate nations and countries into the Roman Empire and rule over them without destroying their identity. But in order to do that, they had to actually send out mandates, things that the Roman governor wanted to happen in that place, and they needed all those things executed in a place that wasn't necessarily Roman, um, but was ruled over by Rome. And so this is how they did it. There were specific members of specific households that the Roman government would come into their town or their city and would call them together in the town square. 
And if it was a place like Athens, it would be a big gathering. If it was a small Greek city-state, it would be smaller. But there would be people who were called out of their homes into a place, and they were all gathered together. The people who were called out of their homes and gathered together to hear what the Romans mandated, that was called the ecclesia. People who were called out. And they were gathered together. And the Roman officials would come and they would say, it is mandated this day by Caesar that X, Y, Z. And they would take that and they would go back out into their Greek city-states. They would go back out into their towns and they would make it happen. They would make it so. Those people who were called out and gathered together in that city square were called the ecclesia, the people who are summoned together. Jesus builds on top of this, and when he comes, he says, on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my ecclesia. Now I'm going to gather my people who I call out, who I summon, and I will have mandates given to them, and now I'm going to build my church, my ecclesia. You are the church. Let's all say that. Everyone say, I am the church. We are the church. This building is not the church. <laughs> that one is, you're not supposed to say. John was in the army, so. <laughs> we are the church. This building is not the church. This gathering is the gathering of the church, but this is not church necessarily. You guys are the church. You guys are the ecclesia, the summoned people of God, summoned together. Now imagine if the people who were summoned together um, in that Roman square, imagine if they came and they heard what the Roman mandates were from Caesar and they went out of that meeting and they said, that was a really great meeting. The word was super good. That was so good. And they did nothing about it. What would happen to them? They would probably be executed. They would be punished for coming to hear the words of Caesar and not doing anything and not obeying the words of Caesar. If they said, that was so good, and they just went away. My brothers and sisters, we are the church here to hear the words of Jesus Christ and to carry out into this world and to live out the word and mandate of Jesus Christ our Lord. That is what it means, church. That might be the first time you've ever learned that. But we need to rediscover then what it means for us to be church. And in our passage here, we see Jesus for the very first time gathering his apostles together after his resurrection. Let's go to uh, verse 6 to 7 again in our passage. Jesus is resurrected and he calls them together. It says, so when they had come together, here's his first ecclesia. When they had first come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Um, here's the thing. When you come to an ecclesia, it's not really the people who are gathered who set the agenda, right? That makes sense. The Roman officials, they set the agenda. They're the ones that tell you what's going to happen and what you are to do. But what's interesting about the first ecclesia gathering of Jesus Christ is that the apostles ask the first question. The apostles speak first. That's not really how it's supposed to go. But the reason that the apostles speak first is there's something burning on their hearts. There's a big cloud over them. And the thing that's burning on their hearts, that's on their heart, is the Roman rule of the Jews. 
You see, the, because the Romans ruled over the Jews, the Jews did not have the autonomy that they wanted. They did not have the freedom. They did not have the power and the comfort that they wanted to have because the Romans were ruling over them. And when Jesus is resurrected, the apostles think that what it means is that finally the Messiah will come and get rid of the Roman government and they will have a post-Roman existence. They've been waiting for a post-Roman life. They're finally free. They can finally be comfortable. And so when Jesus resurrects and he gathers them, their assumption is that Jesus is going to deal with the thing that's bothering them the most, the thing that's over them like a cloud. You know, we have a similar cloud over our existence. And it's not the Roman government, but it's this pandemic. And right now, one of the things that's on our hearts as we approach Jesus is when is this going to be over? Lord, are you going to fix this? Are you going to get rid of this cloud that's over us so that we can have the autonomy and the power and the freedom and comfort that we once enjoyed? Lord, are you going to finally get rid of this pandemic? That's the cloud that's over our heads. It's almost like the apostles, there's this heavy rain. We just had Hurricane Ida come through here. It's like this heavy rain that's on top of the apostles, which is the Roman government. And the apostles are asking Jesus, Jesus, when is the rain going to stop? When is the rain going to stop? And you see this disconnect between Jesus and the apostles at the first church gathering because the apostles are wondering, when is this going to be over? And Jesus is starting something new. You see, they're wondering, when is the rain going to stop? And Jesus has a completely different agenda. They're both asking the question, when? But very different whens. The apostles are asking, when is the Roman rule going to be over? And Jesus' answer is, look, it's not up to you to know times and seasons. That's not what you should be concerned about. This is what you should be concerned about. You ready? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. But what about the Romans? No, no, no. It's not about the rain stopping. It's about you finding connection with God and being my witnesses in the rain instead of waiting for the rain to stop. They're asking, when is COVID-19 going to be over so we can go back? And Jesus is asking, what are you talking about? When the Holy Spirit and you come together, when the Holy Spirit come upon you, you will be my witnesses. That's my agenda. That's why I called you together. You are my ecclesia. That's why I called you here, not to tell you when COVID will end. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses and you will start being fruitful again. I think it's very important that we remember that we are to be fruitful, brothers and sisters. I think one of the things that's happened during the pandemic is that everything has been filtered through one matrix, and that matrix is physical safety. Everything is about physical safety, and physical safety is important. That's why you're all wearing masks. That's why we have all the protocols that we have in place. But everything cannot be about physical safety. We have to be wise, but that's not our ends. Do you remember in Matthew 13, Jesus told us about the soils? And the soils reveal to us the different hearts that the Word of God lands on. And what I find in these days is that one of those soils has become incredibly pervasive in all of us, and it's the thorny soil. Let me read to you again Matthew 13, verses 3 to 9, and it goes like this. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. That's spiritual attack. Other seeds fell upon the rocky soil where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. Newer believers, people who don't have a lot of time in the faith, right? They're, it's a little bit shallow, and so there's a danger of things not working out, right? But when the sun rose, the fruit was scorched, and since they had no fruit, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Now, the, the soil is not necessarily shallow in the thorny soil. It could be deep. You could have been at church 30 years. Who's been to church more than 20 years? Anybody? Okay, who's been to church longer than, longer than 30 years? Some people? Okay, I'm not going to keep going because it's revealing people's age. <clears throat> but uh, it's not. It, you see, the thorny soil, it could grow in deep roots. But Jesus will later explain to the disciples, you know what the thorny soil is? The thorny soil is when the worries of this life, the anxieties and fears of this life, choke out what God is doing in your life. When you're so concerned and anxious all the time, and God's word cannot take root in your heart. Is that what's happening to you during COVID-19? And you've become fruitless, unfruitful. It's more dangerous than anything else, becoming unfruitful. And brothers and sisters, today we need to reclaim the church, who we are, and remember that we are God's ecclesia, called out to hear his word and to carry out his mission. And here's his mission, the second point, the mission of Jesus for his church. Let me read to you verses 7 to 8 again. It says this, and he told them, it's not for you to know when COVID is over. Or what he said is, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus has a very specific mission for us, and it's that we are his witnesses, that the places where he sends us, that we are called to be his witnesses and not trying to just preserve our way of life. That's one of the things that COVID has kind of made us do, is to have this mentality of self-preservation. Again, we want to be wise, not reckless, but at the same time, when the church only cares about preservation, that's when the church dies, right? When the church only cares about preservation, that's when the church dies, the elders and I, when we were doing elder training, we read a very interesting book called The Autopsy of a Dead Church by Tom Rainier. And in it, he showed a special correlation that he saw that when the church budget starts to focus in, completely in on what's going on inside the church, and the money stops flowing into the mission of the church, he says, if you watch that, you could see a correlation between the budget cash flow, where, where the allocations happen, connected to how quickly that church will die. When churches focus in so much, only in on self-preservation, that's when churches die. And it makes sense because that's when churches lose their mission. It also is related to Christians as well. He said, you will be my witnesses in this world. And the church needs to hear our mission again. And so let me read you your mission, your great commission from Jesus Christ. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
Holy Spirit, and I will be with you until the end of the age. Remember your great commission. We are the church. That's not something that you print and put on the walls of Mosaic. Oh, the leaders and the pastors are responsible for doing that. We are the church. You are God's ecclesia, called out to hear this mandate and to live as witnesses in this world. And I want to make something very clear in the Great Commission. That word go, I know, I'm sorry, I know know it's a little bit tough to get a grammar lesson, but listen, that word go is a participle. Do you guys remember participles? Okay, no, nobody remembers that. But it's not an imperative. So it should be most accurately translated as, as you go, make disciples of all nations. You see, go and make disciples of all nations is different than as you go. And here's the power of the participle for people who live in Bergen County. This is super important for us, okay? So listen, if it was just go, you can think of that call as a missionary call for people who go overseas, people who go into unfamiliar places. It kind of makes you think about Abraham, right? And it is connected to that. Go someplace far away, get on an airplane. But once you realize, oh, it's a participle, and it's as you go, all of a sudden, the Great Commission is for all of us. Because here, here's how it goes. What are you guys doing this week? Um, who's, anyone going away for Labor Day? Anybody? Okay. The Great Commission, because it's a participle, goes like this. What are you doing this week? Um, I have work. Perfect. As you go, be my witnesses. As you go to work, make disciples. What are you doing this week? I got to take my kids to school. Perfect. As you take your kids to school, make disciples. Be my witnesses. What are you doing this week? I'm going to play golf with my buddies. Perfect. As you go to play golf, make disciples. Be my witnesses. That's the power of the participle. Now, it's super important for Bergen County people because as soon as we hear Great Commission and Mission sermons, we hear, I don't have time to add another outreach to my schedule. I encourage you guys to add some of the outreaches that we're doing, but not all of you will be able to. But don't you see what Jesus is saying? He's not calling you to add more things to your schedule. What are you doing this week? As you go, be my witnesses. This Saturday, um, I took my daughter to a swim class at Brian and Shin's place yesterday, and uh, we had a great swim class. And I met the swim teacher, and uh, we prayed over the swim teacher. Swim teacher's name is Jason, great guy. He's starting as a teacher um, in Camden uh, this week. And I know teaching in Camden is not easy. I grew up in Philly. I know how rough Camden is. And so we laid hands on him, and I prayed for him. I wasn't doing anything related to church. I wasn't doing any kind of outreach. I took my daughter to a swim lesson. But as I went, I'm looking for opportunities to bless, looking for opportunities to be a witness, looking for opportunities for the Spirit to use me. And if you are connected to the Spirit, the Lord will use you as you go. What are you doing this week? As you go, make disciples of all nations. Be my witnesses. I had a really busy wedding season this week, uh, this summer, and it was busier than I thought. I had eight weddings this summer, um, nine uh, upcoming, and, um, you know, I, 
I do a lot of prayer in preparation for the ceremony, you know, because that's kind of like my part. But then after the ceremony, it's time to just eat and hang out. And so I don't really have a lot of expectations for the reception. But the Lord really surprised me this summer and gave me a ton of opportunities to be his witness during the reception. Two weddings ago, it was 96 degrees outside, and it was an outdoor wedding. All the people were packed outside, directly in the sun, no shade, 96 degrees, and so I wanted to keep it mercifully short. And so I kept my sermon to four minutes, um, and we all jetted inside into the air conditioning. But it was a big wedding, and about 80% of the people who came to this wedding were non-believers. And I was surprised at the doors that God opened in a four-minute sermon to touch the hearts of the people who were there. And I had people come up to me. There was this Jewish man, older Jewish man, who was very successful, multiple, multiple medical practices, sports cars, the whole thing. I preached on Psalm 121 that goes like this. I lift my eyes to the hills, and I, where does my help come from? My help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. And I shared that for the Jewish people in the Old Testament, hills and mountains were special places of spiritual connection with God. And he came up to me after and he said, Pastor, I'm so successful. I don't know where my hill is. I don't know where to go. And I don't know what to do. I had so many conversations from that. And throughout that whole reception, I found different ways to connect and be witnesses, a witness to those who God led my way. As you go, don't you see, you are the church. You are the church called out to hear God's command to move out and to make disciples. Don't forget that. Just because the pandemic has brought you underneath a cloud, don't forget who you are in God. And today we have a great opportunity to come and see one of our brothers who has come our way, heard the gospel, received the gospel, and become a Christian in our midst. Today we baptize our brother Eric, And our brother Eric uh, today comes into the kingdom of God through baptism. And I've actually asked him to come and share his testimony. Eric, would you come up here? Can we welcome him? (laughs) 